0: best day to plant a tree was 20 years ago, but the second best day is today, so um, just make it happen today. The first thing I would say is don't stop on six. Uh, go all the way to your goal.
1: I'm on stage, black shirt, and my Tim's, you know how do it, I ain't playing with you, I've been grinding. Anybody trying to sleep on me, better do something with your eyelids. All right, world's greatest leaders. Uh, today we're starting a new episode. It's I'm I'm very pumped for this episode. I think I've never been as excited because it's like the first time I'm recording with someone through Skype, and I'm recording with uh with someone that I used to work with. He he's on to bigger and better things. But just a just a quick introduction on this guy. This guy is a uh, he's an officer. We used to work together here in one-on-one. He was he was one of the platoon leaders in in the same troop I was in. And then he was the the troop XO. <clears throat> I'm letting you know right now this guy has the complete he, he has a setup. He he I'm pretty sure you can put him in any situation, he's gonna end up successful in whatever happens to him. And <clears throat> he's also uh very somehow, I don't know how he does this, but he's just very good in any sport you put him in. Um I'm gonna introduce you guys, introduce you guys to him and here we go. Um Captain Brand, how are you doing today?
0: Doing well. Thanks for having me. This uh, it's really an honor to be here, uh, even be considered in the same breath as all the the, the previous guys you've had on the show. So I appreciate
1: it. Yeah, this is a heavy hitter show, man. If you're not a heavy hitter, you might as well not even not even come on the show. You know what I'm saying? Um, just uh, just introduce yourself to the to the audience and just tell them uh, where you are from, where you've been, where you've been, and what you where you're currently doing, stuff like that.
0: Yeah, my name is uh, Griffin Brand. I'm was born and raised in Reno, Virginia. I went to Davidson College, just north of Charlotte. I, uh, After graduating, I got married to my amazing uh, amazing wife. We've been married almost five years now. No kids, no pets to this day, uh, maybe in the future. Um, yeah, it was, and so we, uh, after Bullock and all the, the follow-on schools after commissioning, went to Germany. We're in 191 as a PL in the NEXO and then, XO, and then uh, was lucky enough to get selected for Ranger Regiment. I've been in XO and the Ranger Regiment for the past year now, and then uh, we'll see where it goes from here.
1: All right, um, we're we're gonna get more into that that uh into Genshin a little bit better, but I just I just got this this thing that we, I usually do for my episodes. I initially stole it from one of my previous podcasts. If you listened before, it's called the Mad, It was called the Mad Minute, and I stole it from another podcast, and I finally came up with my own name. I don't even know if nobody uses it, but it's it's called gun it from now on, all right? It's gonna be just I'm just gonna hit you with some hit questions. I'm just gonna kinda get a little warmed up for the interview and in, and gonna see kinda what you got, all right? Let Something me know when good. you're ready. Good to go. What are the three things that you would bring to an island?
0: Man, I would I would definitely take my wife. Um I would take, if I'm allowed to take an airplane, like something to get off the island, I would take that as well. But if I'm stuck there, I'm taking my wife, some good books, um, and definitely plenty of, of cooking utensils.
1: What's your favorite book? Like, What's the one book that you cannot forget that you have to bring that book?
0: It's a great question. Uh, I tend to say the the best book that I've read is, is one of the ones I've most recently read, uh, whatever, I, whatever I've most recently read um but yeah there, there's too many to choose man i can't even can't even pick a. what was the
1: last one that you read
0: i'm currently reading uh so i read too much kind of self-help or like business type books so I've, I've recently been on a fantasy kick uh kind of a sci-fi fantasy kick so i'm, I'm reading the uh um red rising series right now if, if you've heard of those it's kind of a futuristic sci-fi type thing. Oh. Me, uh, a little more creative, less less business minded.
1: Oh, okay, well, what's your favorite MRE?
0: Man, the, the hash browns are pretty good. It's hard hard to beat a, a solid breakfast. Cause you wake up and you, you don't want to eat any brisket or anything. The hash
1: brown, the hash browns, the hash, browns the hash browns are pretty good Those are pretty good. You gotta heat them up. If you can't heat them cold, you can't eat them cold. Absolutely. But I mean, you've been to ranger school. That you probably don't, never heated up an MRE in ranger school. But
0: <laughs> you try, try to. Usually not enough time.
1: What's a What's a snack and drink that you must bring whenever you, you go to the field that you cannot forget? These two. Uh
0: i don't have much of a drink uh, i take the little packets a little like powder packets so i can make uh, all the plain water that we drink taste a little better yeah and then i can't go anywhere without sunflower seeds that's kind of my uh my, oh yeah my equivalent to dip. What's, the,
1: what's the what's the what's the best flavor what's your favorite flavor on sunflower seeds
0: uh i mean barbecue is pretty classic there's a trying to th- i think it's called sweet and salty there's like a new a newer flavor that's got a, a mix of uh things it's it's Really solid. So that, that's probably my favorite flavor, but I, I typically go with barbecue.
1: Hmm. What was the last thing that you spent money on?
0: I uh, just, just drove up to see some family. So, uh, so gas most recently.
1: What's your favorite workout exercise? Anything body weight related. Uh, the- I'm not, not the strong guy, but I can. I can
0: move my body weight fairly well so I love pull-ups love
1: muscle ups. Quit being <laughs> humble cuz I know that you're extremely strong and you're extremely athletic and you can pretty much do any kind of workout you you put out there. So I don't want to hear it. We usually we used to go to this this Crossfit gym every weekends that they do a little community workout and I made a mistake in pairing up with with this man one day and I absolutely regret it cuz you would do you work out and your partner would take a break, and he would usually take a break for like thirty seconds while I do the reps, and then I'll break for like five seconds because he was—he would just bust through them like insane, and I'm like, oh, damn it! <laughs> what was? Yeah, I, I, uh, I
0: do, I do love the, the CrossFit type movements, but yeah, uh, big bodyweight guy.
1: What is your? What was your biggest success in life?
0: Coverage there so I'm, I'm extremely happy with uh, living every day with her
1: what would be your, your greatest failure in life?
0: you know I've been super fortunate uh, I don't have any significant like life-altering uh, failures that I can that I can think of uh, I did uh, in my, my eighth grade year I was on the on the middle school baseball team I was team captain thought I was at the top of the world for uh, you know like 13, 14 year old. And then at the end of the season, it was known that the best best guys on the team got called up to the JV team to help them out at the end of the year and get some experience for those uh, those eighth graders. And uh, I came to school one day, and two of my buddies who were also team captains of the middle school team had JV jerseys on, and I, I didn't. And uh, that, that moment, I was like, man, I, I was not selected, not one of the apparently one of the best baseball players. And it just kind of fueled the fire a little bit to – uh, not only athletically, but otherwise, just be work as hard as possible and, and be, be one of the, of the top guys to get selected for that sort
1: of thing. And, and that's that's something that's something. Uh, I mean, I don't know how it is to you, but it's it's definitely something very small compared to some uh, actual failures out there in life. But at the end of the day, it's all about like what you make it. I think it's if it, 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 it doesn't have to be a failure, it can just be a learning experience because because. Uh, you didn't get selected for that JB team, but look at you know you got selected to be an airborne ranger, which is a lot of people that just try to do it and they they can't do it. But I think it's more of a learning experience. Do you agree with that?
0: Absolutely, I, I love uh, people that say you either you either win or you learn. You never fail, so uh, I always strive to to learn something. So any any mistakes that I make, I don't make again or that I'm better for. I I'm, I absolutely agree with you.
1: Do, are you more of a villain or a superhero guy? If who, if depending on which one you are, what who's your favorite villain or superhero? Uh,
0: I'd, I'd say more of a superhero
1: guy. Um, you would Wolverine's be. Wolverine's an awesome
0: dude. Pretty uh, pretty cool powers. He can heal himself. All
1: right. Hard um, to beat that. What is your favorite alcoholic beverage?
0: Pretty basic. Uh, like some, uh, like. Just Jack and Coke.
1: Jack and (laughs) Coke. You can't go wrong with the Jack and Coke ever. Ever. Yep. If you could go to a bar with anyone in the world, present, have a drink with that person, who would that person be and what would you be drinking?
0: Probably just stick with with the Jack and Coke. Um, You know, something that, that everyone's into. And, man, there's so many good people to... I recently read a John Steinbeck book, which is uh, I found I found super fascinating. He's spent a good bit of time in Spain, and I, I studied abroad in Spain, so I'd probably go go to a bar with him. He's a definitely inspirational author, so I I pick his brain.
1: Hmm. What was the last thing that you did in public, and you were glad that nobody was watching?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, my wife. Seated everything that i do so I, <laughs> I tend to i tend to try and do athletic things sometimes and i, I hope that nobody's that nobody's watching because oftentimes uh, i'll make a fool of myself try and jump over a fence and then trip halfway over jump from a rock to another rock my wife my wife catches me every time but usually it's just her
1: what's your biggest pet peeve
0: uh i, I hate to sound cliche but it's a. Uh, I have a big pet peeve in in uh, the professional environment people say they can't do something they just straight up come to, come and tell me or somebody else that uh, a task can't be done
1: oh yeah that happens a lot in our job like y- you ask a dude to or a girl to i don't know move a truck to the mechanics bay to get fixed and like oh i can't move it because of this i'm like dude it's something that's simple. You got to figure out what you got to figure it out, man. There's nothing I can't do. It. You can do anything you want.
0: Yeah, I, I 100% believe in, in criticizing by creating and uh, always presenting a problem with a solution. So I think if anyone ever, and I, I always strive myself to, to uphold the same standard. I never tell someone I can't do it. I'll tell them uh, if there's some sort of obstacle in the way, I'll tell them kind of the alternative of why I what I can do, and sort of a amended time frame in which I can do
1: it. And I think that's probably the biggest problem that I experienced to hear in one nine one, was just a whole bunch of people. Because most of the times it's, it's either just people being lazy, or they're just being. I'm gonna be straight up. There's just them being just some laid back bitches where just they they just they just can't take it. And like, well, I can't do this. Well, I don't want to do it this way because of this. And they will find a problem. But they'll be really quick to 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 put that problem out there, but they'll never come up with a solution how to fix the problem. And, and that's probably like my that's actually probably one of my biggest pet peeves since I've been here in Germany is just people just finding problems but not trying not even trying to find solutions. I'm pretty sure you experienced yep. that over here too.
0: People encounter that three foot wall and they they can't find a way over it and. You know that that exists everywhere. It's not not in any particular unit, not in any particular profession. I think it's just a pretty much a, an epidemic throughout the world, and it kind of that's what separates one successful person from uh, from the rest of everyone else. Just yeah. being able to to find solutions and be that problem solver.
1: What's the best piece of advice that you can give to someone?
0: Yeah, I think that that would be one of my biggest pieces of advice. Just be be a problem solver be someone who adds value to other people and uh and nothing will stop you
1: okay um let's see i got a list of a whole bunch of over here i don't even know what to ask you um have you ever felt invincible
0: i've definitely had a, a number of moments where i felt felt like on on top of the world um Getting married to my my amazing wife, you know, grad, graduating Ranger School, some some big accomplishments that that I've thought about and put a lot of preparation into that I've I've finally been able to achieve. Um, I don't know if I've ever felt really in, invincible. I, I like to stay stay as grounded as possible, but I've definitely felt felt like I've uh, been on top of the world for a few moments.
1: What is one skill that you would like to have that you currently don't? If you say anything about being a little bit more fit, I'm a, I'm I'm a hang up this right now because. <laughs> <laughs> well, not, I mean, I could
0: always, be, I could always use some more fitness, but I would, uh, I would go for teleportation. That would be,
1: that would be awesome. That would be cool. That would be cool. Um, be able to just go anywhere in the world. That would be awesome.
0: Yeah, I'm not worried about going back or forth in time, um, but but traveling around, not having to uh, take long car trips or I mean, plane rides can be fun, but you know, just get one place to the next immediately would be awesome.
1: That would, always be on time too. Absolutely. Free, free. And don't need to pay for a plane ticket to travel if you want to travel.
0: save crazy money. Also, you can do everything at once because I, my wife always criticizes me for trying to build Rome in a day. I always try and do everything at once, and um, my limiting factor is always time and just like my own personal capacity. So if I if I could teleport, I I think I'd be able to do almost everything at
1: once. Hmm. Be easier. That that would that would be. Damn, I want that skill now. If all jobs paid the same, what would you be working with right now? Uh,
0: my, uh, I guess not to go into go down the rabbit hole, but my my goal is to. I've started doing some real estate investing with some business partners here in, in uh, Georgia. So I, um, my my ultimate goal is to do real estate investing to provide some passive income so that I can do mission work full time, helping people around the world that that are either in some sort of captivity or like. Uh, victims of sex trafficking, that sort of thing.
1: Hmm. That's interesting. Um, I, I never, I never, I would never picture. I, I honestly, when I the, from the day I met you, I would picture this guy. He's definitely in to go to be Delta Force or some crazy shit. I, I, I don't <laughs> think, I don't think I can picture this man doing anything besides being in the military. But well, it's I, pretty. Uh, I appreciate that.
0: I guess I, I, uh, I hope that one day, whenever that day comes, I'll be able to to use the awesome. Awesome skills I've been afforded through the military to to help people
1: around the world. That's good. And one last one: If you were a chief of staff, what regulation would you add or change? Mm,
0: it's funny. That the first thing that comes to mind right away is hands whole, in pockets. No hands in pockets.
1: <laughs> you know. I will. Oh my god! I, that that would definitely be the first thing I would change. I I it's it's it blows my mind how someone can have a. A huge issue with someone just putting their hands in their pockets, especially when it's 32 know, degrees or less outside. No kidding. It's,
0: especially when there's some sort of health or environmental factor at play. I, I think stuff, common sense things like that just need to be need to be slightly amended. Um, but also, there's you know on the, on deployment, most people aren't allowed to grow their beards out or be on relaxed grooming standards as as uh, we call it in, in ranger regiment. So I think that. I think there's some some things that could be considered there with, you know, being being a little more uh, casual and and stuff on deployment. Not not in a sense of lack of discipline at, at in any way or lack of standards, but uh, it's kind of a safety issue.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I think putting your hands in pockets has nothing to do with standards. I think it was just some prick that saw someone with the hands in their pockets and was like, "Well, I don't like that. Let's make that a regulation no hands in pockets." Which I mean,
0: just like anything else, right? People abuse it, or they casually stand with their hands in their pockets when they're addressing someone of, of like superior rank, and yeah, and then it just ruins it for everybody else. So um, I'm,
1: I'm with you, but I think putting your hands in your pockets is not going to affect your ability to lead, your ability to be, to do your job. I mean, it's it just hands in your pockets. But whatever, I'm uh, I get upset every time we talk about hands in pockets. <laughs> uh, all right, so I mean, that was the end of the the whole reason I changed. The mad minute to Gunner is because one, it wasn't originally mine. I completely admit that. I don't care, and it would never last just a minute. That <laughs> <It> was <would last laughs> like 17 to 25 minutes, and to this day, my first episode with First Pumphrey, it holds the record of 24 minutes. So, wow. yeah, he, you know, you know him. He he really enjoys talking.
0: He's just—he's just so fun to look at. With such great teeth. It's hard to. Yeah,
1: he—he—he so is—he is a very handsome-looking person. Like, and he—he he, he just walks in a room and he'll, his, his presence and his like. His good vibes will always just affect the rest of the rooms. If if he's pissed off, the rest of the room is in a bad mood. But if he's happy, the whole room is is happy. I don't know how he does it. He he just does it with such expertise, and it, it amazes me. Yeah,
0: he's. He's got that contagious personality just such a such a good person too
1: yeah absolutely um kicking off the interview um can you just go a little bit more in depth with your uh military career and like where did you start like where'd you go to college and, and stuff like that and, and to what you do what what do you do now
0: sure i i started so i originally looking at looking at college, I, I really wanted to go to med school. My whole plan was to have a military pay for college and med school and then serve as a doctor in the military and and I had I had an uncle that had done that. Thought that was a, a good choice. I was I was very interested in, in medicine as a result of some, some injuries through playing football. And got to my end of my second year of college. I was a bio major and I was not not enjoying my pre med classes or that track so I Did a complete 180 and decided to do the combat arms route. And I'm super glad that I did. Went to, uh, I'm an armor officer, so I went to Armor Bullock. Then a bunch of schools after that, Airborne Ranger uh, Reconnaissance course. And then uh, made it to 191 where I was uh, in the three shop for a little bit. And then PL and XO and Bulldog Troop, the the best troop in in the entirety of Europe. Absolutely. uh, Super fortunate to be there amongst Phenomenal leaders and, and great, great soldiers and paratroopers. So, um, I, I couldn't ask for a better start to my army career than, uh, than what I had in one nine one, and that just really set me up for, for future success. And then, uh, gave me the opportunity to, to try out for, for RASP, got selected there. And then I've been an XO in Ranger Regiment for the past year. Um, about to, I'll be heading, heading, uh, deploying again in, in a little bit and then we' will see where the the winds take me from there i'm i'm scheduled to go to maneuver captain's career course here at benning in january of twenty twenty one so i've uh i've got that as a backstop for for the next next little bit
1: hmm. so so from being in one nine one and and uh being in a a very high paced unit that goes all over europe training and and just just establishing alliances with with our allies to going to uh, to ranger town which you actually deploy in and it's also a very high-paced unit. What can you see is like the, the biggest difference between both of both of those two organizations.
0: The mission set is, is very different. One on one being focused on, you know, the the deterrence aspect being over in Europe, uh, assurance with the allies, uh, and and that whole that comes with a whole host of of nuances, and then and, and Ranger Regiment purely deploying for, uh, to be the most premier direct-action raid force in the world. Um, and, and they just come with very different kind of training rotations and, and, uh, and su- subsequent missions as a result of that. But uh, a- as far as the nuts and bolts go, they both have phenomenal leaders, phenomenal paratroopers. We're, we're both on some sort of um, op alert or ACRF, so that there's, there's a recall for both of them. So I, I think at face value that they, they have different missions, but um, when you really get down to it, they're very, very similar, and that's why I think one set me up so well for this sort of organization is just because you, know, you go from one elite elite unit to another, and uh, pretty pretty similar in a lot of ways.
1: On on uh on Captain Williams' goodbye, on his uh his um change of command ceremony when he was leaving Bulldog Troop, he, he mentioned something about about something about the unit where. I have yet to see someone that from from our organization that goes to RASP or goes SFAS or goes try to be a pilot that has not been successful in the transition and doing that. So paratroopers that come to One I One, they'll leave here either going to their next unit and being complete badasses, or they'll become Rangers, or they'll go to the Q, end up getting selected and go go to the Q course to to go try to be Green Berets and or go get selected, to go fly helicopters. Everybody is, is something that this unit is good is just setting people up to getting better on the next level. And that's what I really enjoy about this place.
0: That's right.
1: Um, a big rumor, this has something to do with this podcast, but big rumor is everybody talks about how, about how Rangers and green Berets get all the Gucci gear. How, <laughs> how true of that rumor of a rumor is that? Uh, we- definitely get better gear there's
0: a whole host of uh li- lines of accounting that that are available to special operations that aren't to regular army so you know better better plate carriers the the more enjoyable fat the fast helmets that are lighter oh yeah I actually work with peltors and, and we have a whole new uh headset system now so yeah de- definitely better gear i, I wouldn't say uh I, I don't think it revolutionizes anything it's it's great to have and definitely makes people more effective but really it's the people that wear the gear that matter
1: yeah i mean if you if you don't have the training you can have all the all the cool cool guy gear in, in the world but if you have the training it's not worth nothing but danny Grell, good old sergeant Grell, you remember him he told me this that looking cool is half of the battle won so, so the other half is just knowing how to how to use it but he does have a point he's there
0: a, he's the ultimate gearhead so I I would expect him to say something like that um I don't know everyone in uh, my my college football team said uh look good play good so I guess it it kind of rings true no matter matter where you are
1: yeah yeah at the end of the day I mean yeah it it just makes a little bit kind of sense so um what what made you join what made you want to join the army and, and want to be an officer
0: joining the army was um like i said i wanted to to do the med school route and and also serve at the same time doing specifically the rtc route was a great way to kind of meld both goals of of having college and and potentially med school school free college free college serving afterwards
1: free college too that that, (laughs) that's a a great great advantage of just going to school for free
0: huge advantage
1: um why why did you use what did you what was your drive to go become special operations and, and why did you choose the ranger regiment route?
0: That's a great question. The I, I definitely looked into going to SFAS and, and taking that route. I think timeline specifically, it kind of worked better for my wife and I to to do the reg, uh, regiment thing and and go that route. And I just I wanted to serve and, uh, you know, everyone wants to be challenged. Everyone wants to see kind of like what the next step is and, and not that it's a, at all a, a professional step, but I wanted to, I wanted to be uh you know, like go to the selection process and see how I would, how I'd fare there and then serve in, in a, a very prestigious organization and just give back as best I could um, through the, the things that I had, I had learned previously. So I, w- I wanted to, to be the best unit I could, I could serve in.
1: Okay. So, so have you, have you worked with the green berets while you've been in the range regiment?
0: Me uh, personally, I've not worked with them extensively, that we we work very closely while deployed. So I've I've worked with them uh, a little bit, but I, I definitely will more here in the next couple months.
1: So so what would you say is the big difference? Not in the organizations, but the but the people and the leaders, like soldiers, paratroopers, leaders, and in the in both, well in, in conventional army rangers and and as Green Berets. If you can talk on that, what would you say is the biggest difference? in all three of those uh, those kind of people?
0: Yeah, that's, that's a good question. It's hard to kind of put a finger on the difference between uh, those that are Green Berets and those in Ranger Regiment. I think, I think what one big difference between the two of those and the conventional army is the selection process. You'll see, and, and you see it in airborne units too, simply having to go to airborne school or in like the 101st going to air assault school, just that additional selection process of sorts Eliminates people that, that maybe you're less motivated or um, don't want to stick through something with a little bit of hardship. So multiply that by a factor of 10 or so. And then you've got the like RASP and then SFAS these pretty, pretty physical and rigorous selections mm-hmm. that that continue to, to kind of specialize the, the group of people that are making it through those. And then um, when you when you add that extra element of, of selection, it just increases the overall lethality of the unit, I think.
1: Okay. Uh, What was a significant moment in your career that made you the leader that you are today?
0: It's not, not necessarily a career moment, but when I was in 10th grade, I had a, a pretty significant knee injury. It resulted in eight hours of surgery, and that Jesus. was kind of a pivotal life moment, you know, from a, a 10th grader that thinks he's going to be, you know, playing big time football one day to not being able to even lift my own leg after the surgery for about a month. Uh, it, it really humbled me and, and kind of changed my perspective. And it, it set me as a, I, I kind of, from there on took the underdog mentality and I, I love being not counted out, but I love, I love coming from behind and being the the guy that no one really expects to do well. And I think all that, that mentality, and the, the drive and work ethic was a result of that surgery. And, and, uh, the resulting recovery that I had to make.
1: So it humbled you. I mean, that's what kind of is you. You're humble. You're not that guy that talks, but when it comes time to perform, you just you just perform to to, to the top notch and just be the best that you can. That's a, that's pretty good. I try,
0: yeah, I try and I try and have uh, just speak through my actions. I I don't know if I'm ever the first to talk in a group, but I I try and always be one of the, the hardest workers in a group.
1: Yeah. Uh, as as an officer, you're. You join the army, like the the minute you, you 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 get to your your first unit, you're already working with a ton of subordinate leaders under you. And as you grow, you just grow and having more subordinate leaders. Like even your time when I when you you had great leaders that worked under you, like Sergeant is Sergeant Sergeant Burns, Sergeant my um, that is now the platoon sergeant in your old platoon. I mean. You're just constantly having great leaders under you. What what is something that you expect from your subordinate leaders? Even though lots of them end up having more, like I'm gonna say, in the army experience than you. What what is something that you expect from them?
0: Yeah, that's a. I really like that question. I, I would say two things. One is the what we already touched on, and if they have a a problem or uh, something that they can't be done, that they would come back with a solution on how to how the how their subordinates would then accomplish it or how, how they would lead their men to accomplish it. Um, and then two, that, that they would persistently kind of check my, uh, my advice or my guidance, because like you said, you have plenty of people under you with, with more experience and, um, that, that are extremely competent and know what they're talking about. So I always expect people to, um, as professionally as possible, let me know when I'm when I'm misguided or if I'm missing something, and, and let me know how I can how I can improve as a leader too.
1: I think that's that's a big problem that we have in in the army. At least I see is 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 leaders just just settling down and just accepting the fact it's because they're it's just a, uh, well, I, for example I'm just a sergeant and I know this idea is not a good idea, but I'm not gonna say nothing because my my platoon leader wants to do it this way. Well, I mean it's, this. <laughs> your platoon leader is not the only one doing it. I mean, it's, it's a whole platoon or troop or whatever the fact is. So I think junior leaders, they need to speak up and, and they need to find solutions, especially in our generation. Cause we're, just, this generation is a generation of why everybody wants to know why are we doing this? Why are we doing something? And it's something that, that junior leaders n- need to do is just speak up and, and not only understand why we're doing something is just try to come up with more with feedback to, kind of do it better, I guess.
0: Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. I think the, the minute we stop learning is the minute that we uh no longer are effective. So everyone should should devote their, their lives, their career to greater learning and whether that's through other people, which is a great way to learn through professional reading and development, I think that um I hope I never never stop or never even slow down my, my learning process.
1: And speaking of learning, what was something that you learned Not just in in just being in the 173rd. Something that you learned from your time before you joined the regiment to that is something that you use now in regiment.
0: Man, uh, I hate to be the army guy that references the Navy SEAL, but Jocko Willink, uh, if you know, if you've heard of him, great guy. He talked about. He has a book called Extreme Ownership, and I, I think that that principle, while he didn't create it, he he kind of put a name to it in a way. I think that that, that lesson is uh, is one that will always stick with me. I definitely learned it while at in college, and I've continually learned this same lesson and kind of refined it throughout li- the live fire progression in 191, training the platoon there. Those are tough. The Yeah, it, it, just kind of these trying times and when you have a number of successes and then things that you need to learn from and improve on and, and ways that you can improve your leadership as well. I think that extreme ownership just – Owning every single, every single aspect of of what you do or what your subordinates do or fail to do, um, is something that will always stick with me and that that has has really helped my my time in regiment.
1: Hmm. Yeah, he. I mean that that guy is phenomenal. He is. I I hate to quote the Navy SEALs too, but I mean, most of them, the guys that I follow on Instagram and I and I see them on social media, they're just absolute monsters. And I mean, there's no need to mention David Goggins. We all know that he's a complete beast. But most of those guys, there's a reason why they're like that. They've just been through so much, so much stuff that it just molds them to the amazing kind of people they are today. So, what can you say is the is the hardest decision that you made in your military career, or something that you really had to put a lot to thought to it?
0: Yeah, two two moments come to mind immediately. One is when I'm picking my branch. And in ROTC, whether I was going to go infantry or armor, hindsight, I, I absolutely think I made the right decision going armor branch. And part of that plays into what I mentioned before, kind of being the underdog. I feel like I've had the most atypical armor branch experience so far for a, a young officer. But at the same time, uh, I, I feel like I'm, I'm way better off for having gone to Abolic and learned all the different mounted platforms, having had incredible instructors, and then as a result of being that branch ending up at 191 and all the the learning opportunities there. And then the second time I would reference is deciding whether to to leave Germany and and 191 early to go to, to try to be selected for regiment and and kind of that whole process, you know, right before going to career course, you have those options of of trying to do a a quick stint in regiment or trying to go to SFAS and and kind of where you want to approach from there. So that that was a a thought provoking time as well.
1: I mean, yeah, especially when you have uh, your wife and and to think about, I mean, it's just not, it's not just you, you, you. I mean, she needs to be on board with it because that thing, that thing they say, happy wife, happy life is is completely true. I mean, if she's not on board with it, likely that it's either you're going to have to sacrifice either your career or your marriage. And I'm glad that, that she's on board with everything you do, because I'm assuming it's pretty hard to be a wife, especially in Ranger Regiment, with all those deployments and all those training that you guys do.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. I uh hold on just a second.
1: Damn, I was not gonna edit this. (laughs) Sorry about that. I was about this episode was gonna go straight raw with no editing. It was going so well. Thanks. I apologize. I'll I'll leave I'll leave that in. Whatever. Uh (laughs) what was the what was the most rewarding part of being in Ranger Regiment?
0: Most rewarding part is, is being with the people. Easily. Um Like I said, these, these great people have made it through the selection, the strenuous selection process to get there and, um, just great people that are not only great at what they do professionally, but phenomenal individuals as, uh, you know, out, out outside of work. They're also interested in other things, uh, just the quality of character is, I think, unparalleled.
1: Hmm. Um, do you mind saying that again? Because it kind of froze.
0: Yeah, no worries. I I I would definitely say it's the the quality of people that I work with in the regiment. Both both the the quality of their character and the fact that they they're phenomenal professionally, but also uh, they're they're interested in, in hobbies and and things outside of the military that keep them dynamic and intellectual curious. So definitely those people.
1: Yeah, I mean. If there's something that I I I learned from from either talking to to guys that been in regiment or or just seeing videos is they are very very good at what they do. Uh, their Their job is to be extreme professionals and conducting rage and just kicking down doors and being badasses and they're really good at that. If you want to hire a team to to, it's gonna sound pretty ironically because of what happened. Uh, a couple of years ago, but if you want to hire someone in the military to, to go rob a bank, <laughs> go over hire the Rangers. Cause the Rangers are very good at that, but don't do that. Cause that's extremely wrong. But I'm just trying to say that they are very good at just being tact tactically proficient. They're very good at that.
0: Yeah. And you're, you're hitting at a great point. The, you're just talking about the focus and, and when you have kind of a single minded mission, you can do that extremely well and better than anyone else. There's a, there's a great book that I'm still partway through. It's called the one thing it's real estate related, but it talks about when you focus on one thing. So, so so diligently, and when you you don't get distracted by other potential endeavors and you just have that one single minded mission, uh, you can be the most effective in the world at it. And I think that that's a big thing going for regimen is just being as, as they were commissioned, um, to be the, the world's premier
1: raid force. Yeah, they are, I'm I'm telling you, man, they're they're extremely good because ju- they're just, like you said, they're extremely focused on their job. They just, they just want to do gangster shit and everybody talks about if you want, everybody wants to be a gangster until so it's time to do gangster shit and those guys really want to do gangster shit. They just want to just be badasses. Uh, something, this something that I, I really hear people talking about, but I mean, everybody that's not in the Ranger Regiment and in, in the, in the, Green Berets or whatever the case is, they always talking about how the regiment is or the Green Berets are or the Navy SEALs are but they're not really in there. And since you're on the show, I want to clarify with you. A lot of people talk about how you get to Ranger Regiment as you get to Ranger Regiment without at a, at a being at a at a conventional unit for example. And let's say there's a guy that doesn't have ever been to Ranger school, doesn't have a tab. And they talk about how that guy will be kind of like Diminished by by the rest of the team because he does have a tab. I mean can you I'm pretty sure you know what I kind of know what I'm talking about. Can you kind of like hit on that on how that goes? And how why is the Ranger tab so important to the Rangers?
0: Yeah, that's another good question. I mean the Having a Ranger tab is by no means an indication of, of some person's quality or uh, how how good of a leader or, or a subordinate or or anything they are, but it, it, it does it is kind of that litmus test proving that, that each person who has the tab has been through the same thing and proven themselves through the, that rigorous course. And so it is, it is extremely important that that people prove, prove themselves and, uh, you know, it, 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 bonds people having done similar experiences. That's kind of the, the shared hardship mentality of the military is when, once you've done similar things, people are closer for it. And I think that's, uh, that's a big part of of having the the ranger tab and why it's so important within within ranger regiment.
1: So, can you just hit on? Is it true that I mean, if if you show up to a ranger regiment without a tab, do kind of people that give you shit crap about it, or how does that go?
0: It, de- it depends on where you are and and the leaders that you're that you're under. People definitely, uh they definitely ask you when you're going. They definitely are are encouraging you to to get there as soon as possible. And, and there's a culture that. everyone that comes in without a tab is is going and they want nothing more than to get to ranger school as quickly as possible so they can be part of you know like feel feel like more part of the team um so yeah there's nothing like not that i know of of any any crazy like there's definitely no hazing or anything negative as a result of it but it's it's an overall mentality that like you you need to get it just to be to be part of this and if you don't get it then you're you're probably not going to stay part
1: of it for very long Hmm. it makes sense i mean it's it's like you said. It's not something that defines how well good of a person you are, but something that I I learned talking to to some leaders on on that I know is is just uh just shows that that person is reliable. I mean, if if you were able to get the job done while you were hungry, cold, and, and not sleeping, you 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 I think you're a pretty reliable person. I just I'd have a pre I I mean I would hate to, to Talk down on it. I just have a pretty um, different mindset on the on the on range of school. I think it's more because I have experienced some with a lot of good, a lot of people that had tabs and they ended up being bad people. So I'm like, damn, I, I have no desire of going to. I don't know. I, I I don't really have that much of a desire of going to the school because of because of the. I don't want people to judge me just because I have a tab or just think of something like me just because I have a tab. And I'm pretty sure people are listening to me right now. Probably them to use a bitch, but I mean, I, I don't really no, care. Kidding. I don't really care, but I I would hate to somebody to 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 think something about me just because of something that I'm I'm wearing on my uniform. I don't I don't know.
0: No, I'm I'm with you, and I think that you know there there are people who walk around and, and don't wear their tabs that have that have earned them. Or that would definitely them, be the, the kind of person that I would
1: like be. I would definitely I think that would be the kind of person that I I would I would be. I would I would think I would wear it even though I went to the school. I, I don't know if I would wear it cuz I don't want to be judged by it. Yeah.
0: And there there's kind of two schools of thought. There there's that and then there's also the school of thought that it's something you did that was hard and and not only should you be proud of it, but you should also encourage others to go because it's it is a school that when you come out on the other side you're better, absolutely better for it. And I think that sometimes just by wearing the tab, it encourages other people to go mm-hmm. and um, not, not to mention like in some organizations you, you are required to wear it. It's in their, their SOPs that you have to wear it. Um, but also that, you know, maybe a younger soldier sees you with it and, and ask about it and, and that you could be the motivation for him to actually go and, and uh, be a better person and leader and, you know, advance his career as well because of, because of wearing it.
1: Hmm. Yeah it's 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 a big deal it's a regardless of what you think about it if someone thinks about it it's it's definitely a big deal um so to this day what what is something that you use to 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 use as success like this i need i need to finish this task because this or basically what what is your key to success on whatever task you're accomplishing
0: You know, I, I try, and I feel like I've been harping on this, but I, I try and never take no for an answer. I always figure out a way to to accomplish either the the mission that I've been given, or or a goal that I have at hand. And uh, with that, when I, I I set goals, which I think is a big big key to success, that people may not do that often. Um, but but once you set goals, also breaking them down into you know little. They can be called a lead indicator, basically something that you can control on a daily or weekly basis to accomplish that goal. And then you can kind of, you can measure how often you're doing that particular task towards accomplishing that goal and, um, you know, and setting out kind of tiered goals to a goal for the next month and goal for the next six months, year, five years. And, and then I don't really go much beyond that, but kind of setting out goals out until five years and then working. On little individual tasks to accomplish each one
1: of those hmm. yeah i mean it's it's just setting up setting up that that plan always having a plan on, on whatever the case is, is is definitely important on on to accomplish something do you, do you currently have someone that you use as inspiration something someone that you like you look up to whenever you going through a hard time or someone that you talk to whenever you going through a hard time i uh
0: whenever i'm going through a hard time i always talk to my wife She's, uh, she is absolutely my, my sounding board. She's always there for me, incredibly supportive, uh, extremely smart too. And she, she knows me better than, uh, than I know myself. So she can, she can kind of talk me, talk me into the, the right direction. Cause I, I often miss the, the trees for the forest. I've got the, kind of the, the bigger picture view, whereas my wife sees the, she misses the forest for the trees. So we kind of offset each other well in that regard. And she's always been, been great. And then I have, I have two phenomenal parents. My mom and dad are, are great inspirations as well of, of extreme love and support and just amazing consistency, um, both professionally and, uh, within the family.
1: Okay. <clears throat> um, do you, do you, what are your plans for you, for your future in the army and, I mean, do you have any idea what you're doing next? Obviously, you're going to the to the to the captain's career course. But are you going to be taking over a company after that, or or what's the plan?
0: Yeah, we'll see what is after career course. The there's a new marketplace for officers, so you kind of put in your preferences, and you can have a little more control over what's next in your career based off of that that online marketplace. So I'll I'll use that as best I can going to the, before I go to the career course, and then. Hopefully, I get a, a good assignment coming out of that. Still, still not sure what <laughs> what that will look like, but I hope hope to, yeah, hope to go on to bigger and better things afterwards.
1: So, so you you worked in a reconnaissance organization, and before you went to the regiment, do you are you still in a reconnaissance? Uh, do they have any kind of like? Can you explain to me what, like? Are you in a company or are you in a troop? And like what? What is the like the the basic or uh, goal for that that um or objective or whatever the case is for for that company that you're in?
0: Yeah, so I'm in the regimental special troops battalion. So we have the a bunch of the kind of enablers throughout the regiment. So we've got a communications company that does advanced expeditionary communications for the regiment. We've got a reconnaissance company that does some uh, some really cool advanced reconnaissance for the rest of the regiment. And we've we've got the selection and training company that they, they run all the selection programs for, for regiment. And then I'm, I'm the XO for HHC and we have kind of everything in between. We've, we've got all the, the military free fall riggers. We've got the the guys that are the, the, uh, master breachers, the dogs, the ma- master marksmanship program, all of all of these kind of specialty programs is, is what falls under HHC. And so that's the, the job that I'm in right
1: now. Oh, you need to coordinate to bring that that company over here, and one I want to to train us a little bit, because those sound it sounds like some pretty dope training. To be honest with you,
0: it's it is absolutely some of the best training that the army offers. Um, yeah, it's 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 really unparalleled, and that's because of the extremely professional uh, instructors that we've got.
1: I mean, what intrigues me in the whole soft community is is, is how I mean their training just looks fun. Like I wouldn't, I would enjoy to just to to go in and just train CQB all the time, or train how to breach all the time, and stuff like that. It just, it's just, it, it just fascinates me and how how much they 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 care about their training and how how well they 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 think into that stuff because it's, it's what you do overseas that you train on what you're gonna do when you go go to the go on deployment and stuff. It's not just, not not. <laughs> throwing down in the training that we do here in the 173rd, but I wish we trained more instead of worrying about DTS and DTMS and and uh, all that crap.
0: I'll tell you, man, you can't escape that no matter where you go. We we still have all that same stuff here. The only difference is we've got, uh, like I said, these specially selected individuals that they kind of make those things more, more routine and, and take up less of a Less less time for the rest of the the formation, so it enables the rest of the formation to pursue those better training opportunities and and uh, and really get more out of the training. But yeah, you don't you don't escape some of those some of those requirements wherever you go.
1: But I mean the the different the, we have those too. But the biggest difference is that I think a big thing in regiment is that if you're not doing your job, you're out, dude you're you're not you're not gonna be with us anymore. Anyway. If you're not you can't do your job, which is if you're an S one clerk, if you can't come in here and then just do your S one stuff that whatever it is, you you're gonna you're gonna find someone else to replace you. Or if you're if you're supposed to kick down doors or if you're supposed to be a machine gunner and you can't do that, we're gonna kick you we're gonna we're gonna you're gonna find someone else that can do the job better than you. And because we, we have those same enablers, but they just don't take their job seriously. I mean, it's I think that's what that's. I, I'm not there. Maybe you can you can say, tell me if I'm wrong or right. But I think that's probably like the biggest difference between the our enablers or our support MOSs.
0: Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. The the people make all the difference, and it's this is gonna sound like – I'm sure some sergeant major was the first one to say this somewhere, but everyone's an eleven Bravo on the drop in, and so at the end of the day in Ranger Regiment, every single S one guy, every single finance guy, every every single cook has been through a selection process and nearly all have been to Ranger school as well. And so they've proven themselves along the way. And not only can they do their job well, but they also can pass all the standard physical standard events um, within, you know, within time and and Excel. So uh, that is really the unique aspect to these
1: uh the specialized units. That was a big that that was my, my whole time in BLC I was always uh talking about um how support MOS's like for example the new ACFT is coming out with, with standards with standards by your MOS. And my biggest problem at school was was uh, was talking about how support MOSs, they're still soldiers first and you can go on a soldiers creed you can go on and create a non-commissioned officer. You can go anywhere. It's still going to talk about how I'm a mechanic, but like you said, on a DZ, I'm going to have my rifle, my mags. I need to get the fuck out of that DZ and go to my assembly here so we can do our job. And all I, I just got hated on by, every, by lots of support MOSs. Most of them were legs. Um Talking about how they don't got time to work out or they don't have time to do PT because they work from 06 to 20 to 22. And I'm like, well, your unit is failing you and they're not managing their time properly because I'm pretty sure there's two things that your unit has to give you. is time to do PT and time to go eat. So you tell me that you don't got time to work out is complete bullshit and I will not accept that as an excuse at all. So someone is failing. It's either you're failing, you're not managing your time properly, or your unit is failing. And if your unit is failing and you're not saying nothing, at the end of the day, that's still on you, fam. But that's, that was my big my big thing over at school was just people would not want to be soldiers first. And if you don't want to be a soldier first, take your 15% or just get out, man, and go do your job on civilian world where you don't need to be physically fit and you don't need to carry a weapon and et cetera.
0: I'm I'm with you, and that, again, goes back to people saying they can't do something. I guarantee you, they've got an XO that can figure out a way to find some gym equipment to put in their in their cough or, you know, like there's ways around any excuse like that. If they're if they're actually working those full hours, there's a way to to fit in fit in some PT and 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 uh, find a way around those excuses. So I'm with you.
1: Oh, and and the, at the end of the course, we do we do uh, we do a. Uh, a, a run, a unit run. And this is going to sound like a joke, but it's like le- a little bit less than four miles at like a 9, 930 minute pace. This is a complete joke. And you have half the formation falling out and just really struggling and don't keep up. And I'm like, dude, what is wrong with you? You're about to be a, a non-commissioned officer and leave soldiers and you can't keep up with this slow pace. If you run two miles at nine minutes, you failed the PT test. Well, like... <laughs> I, I, what's going on? Like, can you not do this? It's ridiculous because they're they're about to be the leaders in our organization, and they can't even keep up with this really slow run. It's just it's, it kind of really bothers me, and I and I really wish the army changed on 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 that and just getting rid of people that. And I really praise this. I sound like a douchebag. here, say oh, all good leaders only good leader that's good at PT, but I really think that you're not a good leader because you have a 300 PT score but a good leader will be good at pt and he will try his best as possible to get that 300 pt score and a lot of people mistaken You're absolutely that right.
0: the uh your your physical well-being manifests itself in other ways so it it reflects your mental your your spiritual your psychological it kind of reflects all aspects of your holistic being so i think that how how someone is physically it says a lot about uh what's under the surface too
1: no, oh, and also it's all about someone, the person that taught me is probably the most phenomenal leader I ever met. Uh, First, Sergeant Max Pumphrey, phenomenal leader, you know that. But he taught me that it's all about also life longevity. Like you don't want to be thirty-five, forty years old, and and having a heart attack and dying of diabetes or whatever the case is, because you're just fat and you 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 just you're not healthy. And look at him, he's like I don't know, he's pretty old, and he he can he can still does PT like crazy. That's right. Um, he's
0: not that old, but he, uh, he's very impressive, that's for sure. Nah,
1: he's pretty old. I hope he's listening <laughs> to right now. I hope so. Uh, so, <clears throat> do you think your leadership approach changed from before you joined the Ranger Regiment until now? And if yes, uh, how do you think it changed?
0: I was just saying, I don't think my leadership has necessarily changed completely, but it has been refined. And uh, through being with these incredible individuals and leaders in, in Ranger Regiment, I've I've developed thoughts and uh, tried to learn learn lessons from them just through observation. I try not to learn things the second time if, if somebody else already learned it. So through reading and observing other good leaders, trying to uh, try and learn from them. So I would I wouldn't say it's completely changed, but I, I've definitely refined my leadership ability. You know, like I, I mentioned, the extreme ownership concept, uh, the Finding a, a way to solution, and uh, and just improving all of those kind of philosophies that I live by.
1: Hmm. <clears throat> um, we're we're almost done. We got two more questions left, but this is a question that I I asked every single person that came on, and I think none of I think I think all of them but one was able to answer, it and I had to edit it out, but. What was the toughest day in your career?
0: The immediate day that comes to mind was actually in one nine one. We were doing some section live fires, and my platoon just really did not perform well. We did we did all right during the day iterations, and at night we just did not did not perform well. And and like I said, uh, through extreme ownership, like it was entirely based off of how off my lack of of preparation um, both myself but also my failure to prepare Michael platoon for that event and uh, you know it was, it was high pressure everyone is uh, it's a, it's always harder when you're under under nods at night and everyone's tired carrying a lot of weight and uh, yeah so definitely a big failure that I've learned a lot from and uh, hope to, to never have to repeat again but that that's probably been the, the hardest day and and recounting the story it doesn't sound like anything significant but uh in my memory it's it was definitely kind of i feel like i, I both let down my company commander and i let down my battalion commander or squadron commander at the time because of uh they, they just had ex- expectations of me that i didn't meet and I, I hope that i never have to have to fall short like that again
1: hmm. i mean Back before I was in in red platoon, because you were the red platoon platoon leader, red platoon was always a little bit more inferior to, to blue platoon, because that's the platoon I was in. But now that red, now that now that I'm red platoon, red platoon is pretty is pretty solid.
0: Yeah, I guess we have to just we have to clarify what metrics we're going off of, because the red platoon I remember we led the led the Hohenfels, uh kill count, got some free pizza out of it you know, had had some great platoon live fire. So I think we had a bunch of big successes along the way, but I'm sure
1: we remember things a little bit. Yeah, whatever. I don't want to get into that. <laughs> and just, just to finish up the interview, um, I ask this to, I also ask this to every single person that come on, but what is, what is one thing you would, you would sit down and, and tell someone that is either going through a, through a hard time right now, or trying to figure out how they, they, they keep, they're trying to accomplish an objective, let's say, uh, they keep trying to get ready to go to, to to join the Ranger Regiment, but they just keep hitting the wall. What is something that you would tell someone to, to just, Hey, snap out of it and, and climb over that wall and figure stuff out. Like, what is something that you would, you would advise that person to do or just, just some inspirational words that you would tell us that person? Yeah.
0: I, I love that question. I've got two things and I hope that this doesn't come off as too cliche, but the first one would be, um, there's a, there's a great lesson and it's, it actually is originally from a, a sermon that I heard, so it's biblically oriented, but it's, it's uh, don't stop on six. And so it, it just comes from when the Israelites were marching around Jericho. They, they marched around for six days and nothing happened. On the seventh day, they finally, uh, like the walls came down and they, they conquered the city. And it was like so many people throughout my career, I've seen stop on six. They stopped one day short or one, one mile short on a run and they get dropped from a course, or like they stop just one step short from accomplishing their goal, because they, they've come so far, and they just they can't quite see the finish line, and so they think that there's exponentially further to go. But if you if you keep on going and go all the way to se- that seventh day, that's when the, the walls come down and, and things really start happening. That's when all the difference happens. So the first thing I would say is don't stop on six. Uh, go all the way to your goal. And the second one is uh, I think it's a Chinese proverb that says the the best day to plant a tree was twenty years ago, but the second best day is today. So um, just make it happen today,
1: dude. That's phenomenal, dude. That that that's crazy. I re- I really like that. That that was awesome. That was great. Um, all right. Well, we're coming to an end. This is this has been a great show. I I really enjoyed just having you on the show and, and catching up with you. It, it's it's been a great time. And I wish you and your family the 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 best of success. I hope you guys have a baby soon. Um, but but yeah, man, it, it's it, I wish you lucky on your upcoming deployment. I wish you luck on on the rest of your career, and I'd really hope to see you soon. I mean, I'll be in the state soon, so I'll hit you up. But really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing some knowledge and experience with these people because these people are here, are hungry to learn, and they're hungry to become better leaders. And I think that. You're definitely someone that, someone that they need to talk to or just listen or get to know to, to understand that there's always a way. Like you said, don't ever stop on six. Go all the way to the end, and there, there's always a way.
0: Absolutely, JP. Thank you so much for, for having me. Uh, best of luck to you as well. Hit me up whenever you're in the States, and I'm, uh, I'm free anytime. It's a, it's a pleasure to be on here, and you're doing great things. I hear hear fantastic reports from all all parties over there in Germany on, on your, your success. And I know you'd be a fantastic uh, team leader and, and uh, sergeant. I know there's only, only up the, the sky's the limit for you. So best of luck.
1: All right. Well, this is the world's greatest leaders and I'll see you guys on the next episode.
0: Good time. Appreciate it. See you guys. Yep.
1: You ain't never heard nothing like this. Let me work, show me where the mic is. I'm on stage, black shirt, and my Tim's, you know how I do it. I ain't playing with you, I've been grinding. Anybody trying to sleep on